Hello and welcome to the first Open All Lars of 2021. It's the QPR podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, thanks for coming back and joining us again for another year. I'm David Fraser. There are four of us tonight to talk over... Uh, I'm really confused about what has happened, what hasn't happened. I've actually got a long list of stuff that is not even to do with any football matches going on but other things in and around it but back for 2021 we have let him back in it's Paul Finney all right hello Brayden and Bushy Teals yes now for the listeners benefit because we're arriving in the listeners ears at precisely the moment they wanted them to but you have arrived on this podcast call this zoom call 14 minutes late and explain to everybody how you've started the year in QPR podcasts. Well, you say I was talking to myself and I bored myself so much I fell asleep. And then you woke me up by ringing me on my watch, which is quite the experience. I rang you on your watch. Have you got an Apple watch? Yeah, yeah. Because what it was, I was I was upstairs, then the watch rang and I thought, oh, I, I don't think, oh, shade. And then, yes. So I can only apologise, but I'll try and be a wide awake and not make any silly comments and enjoy this podcast. And it's great to be back. And um, yeah, do you know what? Before you go and do else, I actually, this is how sad my life is. I actually dreamt I was at a football match the other day. Isn't that ridiculous? Mm. Uh, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe, I mean, yeah. It's, was it a nice match? Did QPR win? I'll be honest with you. It was, it was actually away at the at, at Stamford Bridge in the old days when they had pens and I think I had a, like a, a 1990s ski hat on that I used to have when I was young and going to go and there it was quite the experienced dream it was quite a weird dream and I, I, I'm not sure if we won or lost I can't remember but it was just really 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 weird and I still managed to miss kickoff <laughs> that's what I remember about the dream I should disclose I have a pathological hatred of anyone talking about their dreams on the basis that no one cares. Like, really, I no think, one cares. About I anyone. think we should get someone on to un- unpack Finney's dream, because I think that would be more fun than talking about QPR and the championship and the pandemic. I think that sounds quite fun. Flo, what does it all mean, the... Finney? What do you think it means? What do you think it represents? I something about... Well, he was asleep. Maybe something about thinking about back when you were at Stamford Bridge and wearing a ski hat what, what what were you you know what was life like then are you trying to get back to that moment that's what I'm thinking that's what comes to mind the thing is I've got no idea because I was probably drunk <laughs> um so I, and I say this is this is definitely not the first time that a monologue by Paul Finney has involved people falling asleep for sure <laughs> it's just unusual <laughs> that he's the one that's falling asleep so can well Welcome to 2021, Paul. Happy New Year. The other voice you heard was Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Happy New Year, Flo. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. And um, yeah, sad we're all still in the same situation we were in 2020. But and worse. that's our cheerful right. podcast. But worse. <laughs> but worse. <laughs> um, and back for his second appearance on the pod. Now... You're very, um, you're a very good supporter of the podcast. You often sponsor the episodes, and I sort of pause before I pronounce your surname because I don't want to get it wrong and I don't want to offend. I'm going to give it a go. 
is Paul Samelowicz. That's pretty good. That's Can pretty you confirm good. the correct I, pronunciation? I, I'll give that an eight out of ten. Okay. Take it. <laughs> what and and what is the ten out of ten version? Um, Shamilovich. Okay, I was in no way close to what your actual surname is, but you were very kind and polite anyway. Um, well, welcome, Paul, and happy New Year. Um, before we crack on, uh, we got to thank some sponsors. So, the beers which we've been having virtually for ten months or whatever it is, different versions range. Or, or running the gamut from sort of water and soft drinks all the way up to, I think, uh, gin and tonics and maybe some vodkas on various occasions is from Owen Parker, who has been on this podcast a few times. So thank you, Owen. The sponsor of the episode is Chris Monaghan. And it says here, best to not tell Finney he's Irish. Right. <laughs> um, but I just did. Sorry. Thanks to the pod and guests for keeping us going through the last few months. Call out to Finney for the WhatsApp group, which has been a decent QPR-only haven, despite a couple of hiccups. Is it, this is a what QPR WhatsApp group that you've established, Paul. Hiccups. That, that hic- that's a loaded hiccups. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, it is. It's kind of like a... It's, it's kind of decent. Um, I think Paul's in it as well. I think you've joined as well, haven't you, Paul? It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's good. a hiccup. I think it was just someone pretend to be somebody else who tried to oh, just no. go on and start an argument and oh, um, then stuck it all over the internet, which is quite bizarre and strange, but hopefully they'll get some decent therapy. Um, UPR fans pretending to be other people, you say? Hmm. Yes. It, it, <laughs> okay. Well, you never guess who posted that. Well, our, our, our troll posted it up on, on and I know you, you, I'm not going to name them, but you know who I'm talking about. And one of his pals joined so they could try and throw a spanner in the works, which is a real shame because it's basically just there for us to chew the fat. There's no politics, there's nothing, just keep your If people have a bit of a crappy day, they come on and say, I'm having a crappy day. And there's no stupidness or anything like that. And even I don't talk about politics, but that's it's it's good. There's some really nice people in it and it, it's taken along really nicely. And, um, I'm is it a closed group, or are you inviting? No, anyone can, anyone can join as long as they're not pretending to be an eighteen-year-old female and they're actually a thirty-five-year-old man with a very long beard. Um, <laughs> that was. Um, what should anyone do who wants to join this QPR just, group? Which... Just DM me on Twitter or contact me, whatever way they want to, and. Um, Oh, I can't obviously put it out there, or I just put it out because, as we've just found out, some people just troll you for weird reasons. But yes, just contact me in any way you can, and um, and people in the group can reach out to other people, and they can join. But it's actually really good because you know what? It's actually okay at the moment because it's a shit world. It's actually okay to feel shit, and it's okay to have a good old chat and talk about the good old days. And surprisingly, David, I've learned in this group there's people in it older than me who go back even beyond Gary Bannister. It's quite strange. Well, I wanted someone tonight to talk about Tommy Doherty. And oh, I'm sort yeah. of looking at you because I'm not sure anyone else. Well, I was I was still in Northern Ireland. Ireland then. But I mean, you know, obviously I know about him, but I didn't see the teams play live under him. But yeah, we, we can, um, I'm sure well, we can well, discuss that later on the post. Yeah. So there's some football stuff here because obviously we're coming off a game being postponed. Um, the Luton game, which has now been rescheduled for next Tuesday, which probably means I don't think we've done a Tuesday pod for about six months now, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, but then, apart from that, I've got like this long list of 
Um, but obviously, COVID, the, the goalkeeper situation, transfers, um, Barton, Eze, Sherwood, My dreams. Your dreams is definite no-go area. <laughs> Let's talk about the football since the last podcast. There has been two matches. The Swansea defeat, 2-0, and then the much better draw against Norwich with a heartbreaking miss by Bright Say Samuel in the closing minutes. Who wants to start? Well, if no one else is talking, guess what? Go I on, Vinny. Go on. It's a bit weird. I mean, you saw two different QPR sides, didn't you? I mean... Well, for the first half against Norwich, it was the same old thing, really. And then we, we kind of came alive. It would have been the most QPR thing to win it, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. It's just for the, you know, the, the length of a rat's arse. It could, it would have, and I don't know how he managed to miss it, really, to be fair. It was the strangest, strangest. He should just, if he, I don't know what he was doing, but he could have scored easily. And it was, and that would have been QPR all over this sort of struggle this season, beat the team in form and um, turn the form book upside down and go and do things but I mean the sad thing is I mean what would it have been if I hadn't got that point I don't you think Flo but um, I'm David and Paul but I think the reality has hit me that we are bang in trouble and we really are in trouble if you look at that league table my, my fear is that Forrest and Derby and Sheffield Wednesday have got the resources to get out of this that we haven't got and um, we're kind of it's going to be I think we're in I think we're in for a dogfight I really do and it kind of worries me because if we could show you a little bit of what we had at Norwich for the rest of the season, we, we, we should get out of it. But if we play like we did against Swansea, then we're doomed. It's it's really that simple. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with um with Finney, to be honest, because I think at the start of the season, we felt quite confident that there were three teams that were worse than us. And miraculously I don't know how Derby have sort of changed things under Rooney I definitely didn't see that coming uh, but they will spend as much as possible to to not get relegated and if their takeover ever does happen that will enable them to do it if it's going to happen at all and especially if it happens this window I'm sure they will spend uh, and I think Rotherham have done better than expected as well and I, I think Wednesday could potentially turn it around so I think it is a bit worrying and concerning in that respect because I think we all thought looking down, we probably wouldn't be the worst. We wouldn't finish high, but we, you know, 18th would be probably the lowest we imagined. But now it is quite worrying because, and we speak about this pretty much every week, it's just the same issues. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a, a change and there doesn't seem to be progress. And I think, um, I was about to say Warnock, I don't think Warburton's helped him because a lot of the com a lot of the things he's been saying in pre-match club interviews and in post-match media and, and club interviews come back to bite him in, in a way because he almost sets himself up because he spoke so much about needing time and, and, and coaching and and you know Saturday to Tuesday and that being the issue. Well now he's, he's, now. now he's got it now he's got it so if that is the issue he's had this extra bit of time he had the week before the Swansea game and it, you know it didn't really pay off at all so yes we saw some progress at Norwich and that was great to see and we were you know inches away from getting three points and that was huge it just is is a bit concerning but at the same time 
the quality of the squad is poor and you can't get away from that. And that's why I, I'm still thinking that Warburton should stay because not much is going to change by getting anyone else because it's the quality of the players, a lot of this. There's fundamental things which could improve, but there's a squad severely lacking in quality. And what good would getting a new manager in apart from maybe taking us up a place or two? Um, yes, it you know avoiding relegation is the core, but I still think Warburton can do that. So anyway, Paul, I know you wanted to jump in. Yeah, no, no I, I, I agree with... Um, everything you've said, Flo, and same same for what you said, Finney. I, 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 on a good day, can't help being an optimist and feel that I think Norwich was our seventh 1-1 draw this season. And, you know, for a bit of fun, I worked out where we would be if those seven turned into wins, which I know is stretching it. <laughs> um, but we'd be an eighth a few points off playoffs. When I, when I, when I looked back today on all of those 1-1s, you know, many of them on another day or with a couple of better players or with maybe a stronger plan B from Warburton, right, where we actually did something in the last 20 minutes that changed the game in our favour, which doesn't seem to have happened a lot this this season. Um, and a lot of people have talked about that. I, I still have quite a bit of faith, um, but I absolutely... You know, once you're down there, it's not easy to get out because we still have a relatively young team. I'm not sure how much experience, I don't know the players well enough, how many of those players have been in a proper dogfight, which is what it's going to become if in five, six games time, we're still in 19th, 20th, right? That's the worry, little Paul, isn't it? I mean, it's we haven't seen an awful lot of fight, have we? Let's be honest at times. We've kind of like, and every game is so predictable. We, we huff, we puff, we try. And we do some really good things. We play really well. And then it seems if it doesn't work, the other team get the ball, break, score, and our heads go down. And then that's it. It's game over. We don't have that response. We don't have that comeback in us, which we did, funny enough, at Norwich. But I think somewhere in Norwich, the referee was so bad, he galvanised everyone. Do you know what I mean? He really pissed everyone off. And I think that penalty got everyone going. Because it was quite strange, but it was almost like everyone just got hacked off. Right, that's it. And then they started doing what they should be doing all flipping season. I mean, how hard is it to motivate a side in the championship? Who the flip knows? But I think, and if, if the club policy, Dave, and we've talked about this many a time in the podcast, is to finish above three worst teams, you're going to come unstuck with that philosophy one time. And this could be the season because apart from Wickham, I can't really call anyone else who is in worse form than us. And that's really sad because it shouldn't be like that. I mean... You know, we got the Eze money, thank God. We spent it, we thought wisely. And, and, and we're going Wickham to transfer into Neymar players. Wickham are not in that form, from what I've seen, through bad coaching, because their coach, oh God, no. they've had a very good coach for a number of years. They're in that form because, I'm guessing, my logical conclusion is their players are not good enough. Now, I think we all agree with Flo, or I agree with Flo, that our players are not good enough. But is coaching them now in the middle of the season going to make a, a, a big enough difference and the issue is every summer we for the last two or three years we've signed a bunch of players that nobody has ever heard of obviously Finney you've heard of a couple of them and a few people claim to have heard of them but not some and 20 no, some, and nine, some and 19 we signed 15 players no one had ever heard of more no, agreed and they turned out to be good enough to put to, to represent the club in the championship but what's happened is this year, 
that they they aren't good enough, and also the replacements not good enough. We talk about the fullbacks. Is coaching coaching those fullbacks going to all of a sudden give us what we need for the second half of the season? It's a bit concerning. I suppose the one the one um, positive is the transfer window has now reopened and we don't have any loans and we're entitled to three, is it? Are we allowed three loans at this point in the season? So uh, it, I'm not sure. It could be that we can put some quick fixes in. But should we really, but David, why is it always why is it always philosophy of the next transfer window will sort ourselves out? I go back to what Neda Manua said only a few months ago in the podcast, you know, you, you don't build by a revolving door, do you? And that's what we've been doing, you know, just trying to rebuild, doesn't work, throw a load of... And we're paying players off. I mean, apart from Eze and that, we haven't really made a profit on, on players either. So that's not working. I don't know anymore. I mean, I know it's starting to really hurt the fan base because I don't know what you guys are thinking, but when, I, when you see people saying, and I know these people, I can't be bothered to watch a game. I'm not watching it. I'm not signing up for it. I've had enough. Walking away. This is the lifeblood of the club. You know, it's 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 a it's a worry because people have got defeat fatigue, and I know I've been saying that a few times, and people probably think oh, I'm talking rubbish, and I usually am, especially when I'm half asleep. But the um, my th- my fear is we have it's it's like everyone's chins on the floor. How do we get off the floor? Changing the manager. Well, we've said many a time, didn't we? That this I don't know what you guys think. I keep saying that. I don't know why I keep saying. Anyway, the um. You know, if if Warburton doesn't work out, then there's there's Les, there's Chris Ramsey, there's Lee Hughes. There's, everyone's going to be looking at the position because you can't keep blaming one person and throwing a manager in front of the bus. There has to be something deeper, something stronger that's not working. And how we resolve that, God only knows. And if we get it wrong, it's a nosedive into the League One. I th- on, think there are also there are also some issues though that. Don't and I think we've spoken about before, but not don't necessarily stem that much from outside of Warburton, to be honest, because we got rid of Bidwell and Manning, key fullbacks. Well, Manning sort of accidentally became a fullback, but was a bit of a part of that. And that was pretty much down to, to Warburton in a way and his stubbornness to not find a resolution. And yeah, Manning and his agent had bigger dreams, but we could have got something out of Manning. And maybe we could have got him to sign a new contract if he wasn't um, uh, chucked out of the team mid-discussion. And and getting Wallace in and getting other players like Barbe in, who are players that I'm sure Hughes, uh, Hughes and Ferdinand didn't want to get. But it's that same old managerial thing of, oh, I know this guy, I've worked with this guy, maybe I even know his agent too. Standard, <laughs> standard, pra- standard practice in football that goes on on a daily basis and is part of the culture of the game. And there's not much we can do about it, unfortunately. And, you know, we've ended up paying the price for it. And I, I think, yes, I think Linda Dykes and Rob Dickey are examples of players that Ferdinand Ramsey and Hoos would have had eyes on and said we've been watching this guy he fits our sort of thing we want to do and we might get some sell on value and that's fine but there were other errors that were made that I don't think they necessarily have to answer for that are just part of what happens in in football and you either luck out and end up with players that the manager brings in because he knows a guy and a work out really well or you end up with what we have and, you know, Lee Wallace, who's absolutely crooked. So it's just, yeah, 
I, d- well, I don't know. I don't know how you solve it, to be honest, because we've now left ourselves no choice but to play. Not they're not even kids, but random players that we never heard of who've been sitting around the other twenty threes for years. Uh, Paul S, I think you were going to come in. Yeah, I I, I was just going to say my my gut says that we're unlikely to um, benefit from making a change on Warburton now. Although you know that that said, it's interesting what you said, Flo, about Rooney. Right. And the impact that's made, which is crazy and doesn't really follow any logic in terms of managerial experience, but it's made made a difference. What I'd love to see, however, is for, you know, whether it's Les Ferdinand or whoever the right Lee Hughes to put some pressure on someone like Warburton to say, look, there's stuff that isn't working because I, you know, I, I again, on, an, on a good day, think that we've got six or seven players that are very good players. I think Dickie's fantastic for the future as well, but currently now probably one of our best players, Dieng. I think Lyndon Dykes, I've watched two Scotland matches randomly because of lockdown, wouldn't normally. Lyndon Dykes looks really good when the team around him plays towards his strengths, which I've yet to see a single QPR game where he's, he just seems like a spare part. <laughs> and it'd be quite nice to see us do something different because clearly what we're doing is not working. The only other point I was going to make, Dave, is I think if we do look at making a change and if things only get worse before they get better and I suspect that could come um, the thing that would kill me is just a lazy replacement right one of the obvious names that you know I was randomly thinking about that today and that I I looked at two things one Huddersfield when they got David Wagner they got him he was the Borussia Dortmund reserves team coach and they managed to get him I don't know how that happened right but they managed it and it was a good move at the time Brentford with what's his name Franks right He's come from Bronby. Now, you know, I know these things don't always work out. I'd rather twist on something like that than God. Or something like that. Oh. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Can I give you my crazy theory on Sherwood? And this is a this is a hypothesis, not David's opinion necessarily. But I'm going to ask it of you. If, as we've kept saying, the tail wags the dog, the managerial appointment, has bears no relation to what the football plan is. We keep making the same mistakes. The bigger picture is the system, the system of the club, the football philosophy of the club. If we don't want to keep making those same mistakes, does that mean Sherwood is actually the ideal appointment? Because you, you cannot doubt that Sherwood, Ferdinand and Chris Ramsey are a unit. And if you really back that football philosophy and want to push it through, actually, is that the appointment that you're actually backing the football plan properly, rather than keep getting a mix and match manager that there's no relation to Yeah, but it's, but that, yeah, I can see where you're going with the hypothesis. Like it sort of makes sense, but at the same time, it's not based on talent and ability. It's based on the (laughs) theory that if everyone's mates, they'll work better together, (laughs) which in some ways may be true, but, I think there's just a well, fundamental it's, it's the t- lack of ability that, with Tim team that turned out. It is the team that turned out Harry Kane, Harry Winks and others to Tottenham. Now, it could that just could be potluck because Harry Kane came along and he's Harry Kane. Or you could say, actually, this is a unit that... No, I mean, I'm playing very heavy devil's advocate. You could say this is a unit that knows what they're doing and if you are trying to put a football philosophy in place, back it and... He's the well, one that, he is the final piece of the jigsaw. 
in November-ish time, in the, I think it was November, I joined a Zoom, which was the Spurs LGBTQ Zoom like Q&A with Chris Ramsey. Um, and it was a really good Q&A. And they asked a lot about that era with Ferdinand and Sherwood and their role with the, with the youth team and how they managed to progress so many big names. And it just seems like they lucked out. He said mainly, you know, Redknapp listened to them and Redknapp gave them opportunities in the first team to progress. And I think Ramsey is one of the few people that speaks well of Tim Sherwood. And when I, mm. when I watched that Zoom and I talked to my Spurs fan friends about it and said, you know, it's funny because everyone always laughs at Tim Sherwood. Everyone always shares stupid videos of him on BT Sports Score, embarrassing himself or whatever. But Chris Ramsey speaks very highly of him. And all the Spurs fans said, to be honest, not much. They seem to think not much of that success was down to Tim Sherwood. It was mm. down to the fact that Harry Redknapp would listen to them and provide opportunities for those players in the first team. And then it aided their growth. And it wasn't mm. necessarily down to anything that Sherwood was doing as a coach or as, a, as developing their talent. Ramsey, a bit different because that was his specialty. So... I just, I think it was just luck, really. And I think it, there's just too many red flags around Sherwood to even dream about, about bringing in. And I think we haven't, we haven't built anything yet that is ready for an interesting European choice, I don't think, because we don't have what Barnsley and Brentford and others are uh, being smart about, or even Huddersfield now, and creating an identity. We were getting there. We were getting there this time last year. Maybe we were either having pods where we were talking about, you know, there seems to be a bit more of a, of a format and a pathway from the other 23s to the first team. Still, I guess, existing, but only by necessity. Necessity. Yeah. yeah, Because we have to play them, but there isn't necessarily a core identity about, you know, we talk, well, we think Clive talked recently about, you know, Warburton's style of football was always meant to be exciting and we got a lot of that in his time here. But the end of last season and this season has not been like that. So there was an identity being crafted, a gung-ho attack all over the place excitement. And we've only really seen that, what, in the Cardiff game? Mm. Apart from that, not really seen much of it. Probably Finney, Forrest. Finney Barton is available now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If... um. Right, I've got to fill you in here. I'm in. I'm in the spare room because downstairs people are cooking, and I got kicked out of my normal place. So there's a few things here from my mum's flat. Okay, just to warn you. And um, if Button becomes um, our manager, here's my replacement for the podcast. I mean, that doesn't travel well on. Is that audio, Jesus? Is that Jesus? That it is, is, it is a big Jesus. Jesus statue and a pink flamingo. Um, yeah, can, you, you can be Jesus, I'll be the flamingo because I'm Excellent. also I don't do religion retiring. Either, my mother did religion, bless her. I didn't, but no, I think Bottom's an absolute nightmare. And I think I can't see Bottom because him and Les didn't get on, so that that wouldn't work. Going back to the Spurs thing, Flo, I can't remember the fella's name, but um, I think a lot of that development was done by the lad who left there and went to Liverpool. I can't remember his name for Love No Money, and he's, he's doing the same thing at Liverpool now bringing out kids so but I think they were all part of it but Sherwood scores a life out of me because I think it's just another conveyor belt job I think Paul's right what he said you know other clubs did things differently but we you know but no one else would probably appoint someone from the flipping Irish league and score the crap out of me I don't know but it's not if, if Sherwood and Bottom's a question then the answer is really scary I mean the question's really scary if they're the answer I mean we are also 
I mean, Warburton is in the job and there's no indication the club are looking at immediately getting rid of him. So we are we are playing fantasy manager a little bit. Um, yeah, I think, I think Paul wanted to come in there, Paul. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Just on, just a qu- very quick one on Barton. Uh, I, you know, and for any of your listeners like me who will have listened to the Nedemonua interview, uh, that just makes it very easy for me to say I would never want him anywhere near our club. Toxic. The most toxic man like you could ever wish for. Which is a shame oh, because Clint Hill's with him and Clint Hill's obviously a decent I know, I being. don't know why he, he was taking himself with that, but, you know. Maybe well, Clint maybe, Hill, actually. I'd, I'd take Clint Hill. I mean, yeah. I think Clint's reaction to that, and I'm not putting words in his mouth or anything like that, was he knows Joey and he knows how to handle him and he knows how to take him. Because even when we had been doing the live pods, I think we were, we were all there and he was just sort of like, well, and he, he didn't seem to mind anyone else's opinion of Joey, and, but he had his sort of thing. But Barton's not the answer. No way. She, maybe I, we I can get Clint Hill in as like a defensive coach. I'd take that. I'd take Mr. Magoo as a defensive coach at the moment. We're just not doing anything. I mean, what sums ranges up is, you know, we've got, we've got all these people in high-profile roles, and yet last season we furloughed the goalkeeping coach. You know, that's the sort of QPR this season that got us in trouble. But, I mean, I don't... You know what? I hate thinking people like. I'd love Warburton to do well, turn it around. Him, Les, Chris, um, whoever, just turn it around, be better. I'm sick of changing managers. I'm sick of second people. I want the new strategy, whatever that is, to kick in and start working. But sadly, at the moment, it's not. But I'd love to be wrong. I'd, but if you if you throw someone like Barton in there, you might as well take three hands. And I, I don't think I could bring my arse down the ranges if that happens either, because, you know, no it's, just, it's just, it's just, a, it's just, it's just, it's just a surrender to reality. It really is. And God knows reality's bad enough as it is, but I thought him well, in the Also, mix. you know, you've got to have some morality left. Absolutely. And the fact that Preston North End announced Asani and Chen Evans today, like, have I, 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 I just want I just want us to not get dragged into stuff like that and you know have some sort of grace and decorum left because Barton is still facing his court case for assault uh, against the former Barnsley manager so two for well two steps back Barnsley manager so I just don't think you want to be hiring people like that at your football club and after everything he does so I just hope he doesn't like QPR. Yeah, well, like I think he goes wherever he'll get a job and get paid. I think at this mm. at this point. So let's Absolutely. talk. Also on my list is goalkeepers. About an hour before we started recording, Liam Kelly has gone out on loan for the rest of the season to Motherwell, which means but and Dylan Barnes yesterday was recalled from Hibernian. So I think that means the two goalkeepers currently at the club, and I realise Lumley may return from loan as well. But the two goalkeepers, are Dylan Barnes. And Seni Dieng, which means currently the number one and number two goalkeeper at the club started the season as goalkeeper number three and number four. What? Oh dear. Yeah. What? Um, what do we make of that? And do we see any movement with that situation? But do you know what? I, I actually, I know it sounds crazy. I really like Lumley. <laughs> I, I, I do think. I, I I know that people maybe his time at Rangers is, is is gone wrong, but there's a good keeper in there, and he'll go on to be decent at a good level. Um, Barnes apparently did really well at Hibs. Kelly was a disaster. Let's be honest, it didn't work for him. Um, and De Jong apparently has been watched by Arsenal, Palace, and someone else. If you believe what you read in certain things, but um, De Jong's certainly been the one shining light this season. I think he's been absolutely class. He's he's um. 
He's confident. He, his distribution is perfect. He knows what he's doing. He's just been at Dan Bar's defence. But yeah, there's also the lad in the under-23s, David, who's quite good as well. So, you know, we're, we're seeing... You, you like Lumley because you want to like Lumley. But he, he's done. He's done, isn't he? So, Do you think so? I mean, Seli Dieng or... changed everything by a lone spell at Doncaster Rovers. So maybe this spell at Doncaster Rovers is going to change it all for Lumley. You, you never know. You can't tell me that in his seventh stint in the first team, Lumley is, is finally going to... Be the man, the long-term man. It's not. Yeah, but you know what? I, do you know what I remember about Lumley? Don't you guys remember? I remember being at Brentford last year, and he was getting so much abuse from our fans that he had to turn around and try and tell them to stop. Um, and that was quite soul-destroying to watch your goalkeeper doing that. Um, oh, he wasn't the worst. Time. Yeah, but you know what? And, and yeah, I'm not listening. His time, as I'm saying, his time at QPR might be done and dusted. I don't know. It, it might be no coming back. But there's a good keeper in there, and it's a shame it hasn't worked. Um, but Diang certainly is there on merit and should stay there for the rest of the season. Uh, and on that basis, I think ship out both Kelly and Lumley for the second half of the season. And that's so fair enough. You can, so you can use, because they're, they're both senior pros and they're probably both on a decent whack. And if you can use that for other players, maybe some loan signings, maybe a January signing, I think that can only help. Paul? Yeah, I... Probably stating the obvious, but I think most agree that Dieng's done really well since he's come in. He's been much more vocal and seems to boss it a lot more than a, any keeper I can remember over the last two, three years, certainly Lumley and Kelly, as much as I, I have a soft spot for Lumley. Most importantly, Dieng can't leave because I've just ordered my seven-year-old a Dieng full kit, which is what he asked for Aww. for his birthday in February, which I was really pleased about, but That's I'd be so gutted cute. if he goes. <laughs> I generally any QPR players on the back of the kit I can tell you from experience is not a good idea I have one run walking around in SA10 kit currently but that's that's Um, that's iconic because at least he went on to big things yeah whereas like my my little brother my little half brother got Amos and within a week he'd done his ACL so I'm a bit that's not and my little brother actually has a Barton shirt which obviously you know probably should burn that one but well last Um, year he, he wanted this one here on his goalkeeping kit wanted Kelly I said no I said get Fraser I said Fraser Fraser won and thank god for that I've uh, I've I've just ordered my Gary Bannister one. Am I up to date? <laughs> a little bit. Um, no, David, I I can't do Shamilovich one. It's too expensive. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so what what would you? How would you abbreviate it then, Paul? Would you? What would you just put um, S, a big S in the back? Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> um, I don't. We don't usually talk about other things and other clubs like as a sort of agenda point. But let's talk about that Eze goal for a few minutes because it would cheer everyone up. Yeah. It was, I mean, he is, someone said on Twitter, I'm following what Palace are doing almost as much as I'm following what Rangers are doing this season. But I don't know about you, but it is cheering me up. I check that Palace lineup to see if he's in. If he's not in, I check it at halftime to see if he's come on. And then when if he scored or set up the goal, I want to see it. And it is cheering me up. I yeah. hit Palace. It's I, like, it just, it, it just makes you really happy and warm inside, I think. And also, I felt quite 
smug because we saw an almost identical goal to that last season away at Stoke. And you Stoke know, was better, Flo. Do you think the Stoke one was better? Definitely, yeah. I us. think he might have gone past more players as well in the Stoke goal. He did, yeah. yeah. He, only, he only, if I if I was being one of those internet people, I would say <laughs> on Saturday he only actually he went past one and went yeah. round another. Yeah, and that, and, and that was it. Quite yeah. Unquote. But uh, yeah, I think it. I just it's just really nice when your club gets attached to someone who's going to be an amazing footballer because we never get that. We never get that. Raheem Sterling, we still dine out on the fact that. He was in our youth team and left at 15. But this is proper, actually was a core part of the side. And we helped turn into the player he is today. And that is quite cool, to be honest. And it's amazing for all the kids that got to see that because they get to now show off to their friends at school to say, you know what, actually, Eze came to QPR. So how do you like them apples? Someone who's going to probably play for England at, World Cups and Euros, like we were a core part of that, which is pretty cool. And when other platforms are talking about it and talking about how special he is and talking about the fact that the goal should be played out to classical music. And I remember watching that Stoke goal to Titanic music and thinking, pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Can I be a miserable bollocks? What? Can you be? How can you not be? Right. I hate Palace with a passion. Never like them. Never will like them. Don't like them. Can't stand them, right? But I don't like anyone, so that's fine. Um, but even I on 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 Saturday, because we didn't have a game, obviously, was 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 flicking around and, and came across that. And I was I I wasn't even surprised because we've seen him do it so many times. I mean, I I, I just felt <laughs> when he did it, I, I felt of all the people who called him lazy and said this and said that about him, and I thought, not bad for a lazy lad, eh? And he is world class, and it's good that everyone's seeing it. But it also tells you how bad our season is if we're having to watch frigging Crystal Palace to, to get cheered up. You know, my life is over if that happens, I tell you. But yeah, There's not much to be cheerful about, Philly. No, so I'll take, I, I'll take what, what I can get, to be honest. I, I kind of... The reason I get so much joy out of it is because he's a lovely fella. He is the... I mean, if you want your kids, if you were... if he When he makes that England team, it's a shame he's not nor nice, but I say that all the time, blah, 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 um, is that... You've got something to look up to, haven't you? You've got a lad you can look up to who's a lovely fella, who's come up the hard way, who's been rejected, who knows what it's like. He's come back and he's never given up. He's he's living the dream in that respect and he's a, he should be everyone's role model. And I'm really delighted for the lad because he, when he came on the podcast, David, which, is a, which, which was, I think you got him on, was amazing. He was brilliant. He was humble. He was level-headed. And he's doing it even in the Premier League. And that's cool at Stoke. Would you not be surprised if he did that at a World Cup? semi-final, do, final, do whatever. Pay, do we get a few more quid if he makes the Euros? No, no, uh, I, I don't know what the actual sell-on benefits are, but they're said to be quite a lot, isn't it? Is it 20% potentially up to the oh, fee really? added or something like that? Probably but I don't but... know. It's probably based on England appearances um, and things like that. I don't know if it's on like a World Cup, but I'm pretty Is sure it... we could get another... I think we do. I think it's something. Does it make me miserable because we failed to qualify for the Euros and I'm bitter that I want the thing cancelled? It won't be cancelled, but it will be behind closed doors. But does that make me bitter, David? Am I a bitter person? Uh, There's several, several other things in your psyche, background, and personality that make you bitter. It's not necessarily that. (laughs) (laughs) But wouldn't it be great, though? Wouldn't it be great if Turk could follow in that footsteps as well? And and be the next one, and then we can get a system going. 
but we see them do it for QPR first, which is what Eze is what we are trying to do. There is there are talented players at QPR. There's a difference between cultivating and harnessing that talent and then just throwing players in because you don't have anyone else. So I think we've got to we've got to finesse mm. that. That's what we're not quite getting yet because we're just getting a little bit um drastic and not necessarily planning that far ahead. And was I Sorry, go on, Paul S. Um, there, there, there was a mini special on Eze on Football Focus as well um, over Christmas, which was fantastic. As you say, Finney, the, the great thing about him, he's just such a lovely man, right? Mm. Young young man who comes across authentic, humble, uh, and you, you, you want him to succeed, right? Even though he's not playing in the hoops anymore. Yeah. It's a shame, Lord, what, but I, um, do you know what? The good thing about it is, and, and this is the good thing, I think he'll come back to us one day. He's going to be one of them players who will come back. Well, Peter Crouch should have done, really, but never really had the chance to do it properly. He'll come back, and by that time, we'll be in the Champions League, and we'll see him even better. Yeah. So I'll tell you about my dream. Um, the only other thing on my list before ours end is COVID-19. And like the fact that every club seems to not well, not every club. There seems to be a lot of games cancelled, games postponed, teams coming down with it, it ripping through whole squads, and a very what I can see is a very uncertain future. We obviously went into lockdown this week and elite sport continues. But I sort of want to turn to Flo here because you're you're in the media, ain't you? So you hopefully know a bit more about this than the rest of us. Is there any chat about game, like it, football going, basically? Not really, to be honest, or not that I'm aware of. I think because of what happened last time, especially in the EFL, I don't think it really caused as many dramas in the Premier League, but the situation with League One was pretty bad. Finishing it on PPG did not go down well. So I don't think the EFL want to go down that route again. And as Clive has said from the day one, not having a plan on how the league might finish before you start it was idiotic. So I think they have to persevere now. And last week or the week before, there was lots of talk about a so-called circuit breaker in the Premier League, but I don't necessarily think that's going to happen because it won't necessarily stop that much because like the players still have to train. They can't not do anything. So if you're not playing, if you're not just playing games, then you're still mixing and the, the virus still might spread. So I think they're just going to persevere and try and make it work. But especially League One, is a bit of a mess because there's just been so many cancelled games. I mean, we're quite rare in the fact that we've only... This, the looting game was our first one um, and the club has been really lucky in that I don't think it's had any COVID cases. So, mm. And I and I, I kind of was going to say this in my R's end, but one of the things that I've really respected of Warburton recently, and I don't know if it's a, it's a positive thing that he's trying to maybe cover up with the results, but I have appreciated how he's kept pushing the message around masks and he's talked about how strict they are at the training ground and if staff and players aren't wearing masks they won't be involved on match day and things like that and I do appreciate the stand that QPR have taken and it's clearly working because we haven't any cases so we've clearly created a pretty safe bubble bubble and what they're doing is work so I have appreciated that um 
but yeah, you look at the numbers and you look at the situation and there's just very simple things that could have been avoided. For example, I was at Wimbledon on Saturday. They've had tons of COVID cases since playing Sunderland, a game that Sunderland tried to call off because they had a bunch of COVID cases. Now, it's not surprising that the game got played and Wimbledon since then have had lots of positives and they think it was down to that game. So so many mistakes that have been made along the way. I do think now that they're going to be paying for regular testing, which they announced today for the first time, regular testing, because um, they did it when the championship resumed in the summer, but across the EFL, they've never had regular testing. They were just doing it when players had symptoms or were playing a cup game or something against bigger opposition and the opposition would pay for it. They're finally going to pay for the regular testing because that is so important when containing it and trying to get a grip. But at the same time, when you match up with what's going on in the country as a whole, I just like this at this point in the pandemic last time, football stopped because the numbers yeah. were so crazy. So I just don't see how they can't take a break. Unless you're going to do what the NBA did and you put everyone away or what cricket does and you put everyone in a yeah. bubble. People go home, they mix with their families, they, they, they see other people in the community. I don't, it doesn't, it seems like a runaway train, like that is, is destined for, I don't want to say the word disaster because that's not what I mean, but a pile up of fixtures, real, real trouble. I, I mean, I don't know anything about anything, but the one thing I don't understand is why the subs and the managers are not wearing masks because that's literally the one time of the week you're outside of your bubble. And you're with other random people. But they I know. I, I think they, they've stopped because they did at, at the beginning of Project Restart, everyone was wearing masks. And then yeah. at about maybe start of June, I started to notice that the masks had all come off. And I think it was because of more and more research and, and evidence saying open air, the virus can't travel as well. But you'd think now they'd be taking as many precautions as possible because you're just mixing in other areas of the of the stadium. But yeah, in reality, I think they should too. I think with League One and League Two, the rumours are that they're just going to extend the calendar because none of those players are probably going to be called up for the Euros. So League One and League Two, it's not the end of the world if they finish quite late. I think the Champions League is where it's going to get so complicated because you've got players like Brentford, you know, teams like Brentford, sorry, who are playing in FA, you know, in, in semi-finals of League Cups and yeah. other teams that are going to progress in the FA Cup, not us, um, and Champions League and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, where can you fit it all in? You you just can't. So I think with League One and League Two, it'll be fine because they'll just make up the time. But with the Championship, ooh, it's going to get messy. Well, do, you do, think, you think, do you think the Fulham game will happen at the weekend? Well, I mean, if it's not going to happen, it's Wednesday now. They've got to do something about it. I think from the conversations I've had with managers, with the EFL, there's no hard and fast rule with calling games off, really. With the Premier League, there's not really... It's it's, With the Premier League, they've always said we do on a case-by-case basis. So we kind of look at the circumstances and look at how many fit players there are. So how many COVID cases and how many squad players. I think you have to... with, With the Premier League... You have to have if you have fourteen players, then you have to play the game. So I imagine the EFL it's similar, but they've never really come come clean with like a yes, this is the minimum you have to hit. But from man, for what I've spoken to managers, they've said, oh well, you we kind of just talk to them and ask if the game can be cancelled, and they kind of 
have a chat and then say yes or no. So in the case of Wimbledon, both Lincoln and Wimbledon were missing players, but the EFL looked at their squads and said, you can both still field fairly strong-ish teams. You've got to play the game. So you have to have a high number of positives and you have to be missing a a large number of your first team players, basically. So, So can I throw something in there? Tonight, Derby have said that for their FA Cup tie against... Surely, yeah. they are they're, not they're... sending the first-team squad. They're not yeah. sending Rooney, they're not sending the first-team squad. It's their under-23s who operate and train in a completely different bubble are going. Now, is that because they, they've obviously had cases and they've missed games? Is that because they forfeit the game in the FA Cup? If they can't, Is it fulfil the fixture or forfeit the game? Oof. I don't think they're doing forfeiting yet. I think they would rearrange it. I know in the women's FA Cup, they're getting to the they they they've said that there might be a toss of a coin situation um, to decide well, games. Leighton but Orient I don't think they we're forfeited at... in the EFL Cup, didn't they? Leighton Orient had to forfeit against Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But I feel like because this is a whole like round of games where this might be happening, it's not a one-off. Do you know what I mean? Is that mm. we're at a point when when the Orient Spurs situation happened, we were at a stabilised-ish part of the pandemic in, in those mm. terms-ish. And it was quite a rare situation with games getting called off at that stage. And Orient didn't really have a choice. Whereas with this situation with the FA Cup, it's, we were at such a messy point that I feel like they would try and rearrange one night where all the fixtures are played again because it's not just one set. I don't know. I really don't know. They need they need to come out and and say what the situation is going to be. It's quite weird. I heard the I was on listening to the radio a wee while back and the Rotherham chairman was on and he basically I think I've said this in our group, haven't I? So I repeat myself. I might even send the podcast. God knows at my age. I'm lucky if I'm remembering the name. Anyway, he said that the they had to speak to a doctor that the EFL supplied. And the doctor asked a series of questions and he told them they have to play the game because they had so many fit players. So it seems to be that some mm. someone else is making the calls. That they, that, you know, the, the, the Football League and the Premier League obviously want to get the games done. They want to get the season finished because there's so many much come, much money coming in from, from watching it. But it's it's slowly and surely turned into an absolute farce because, you know, you, you, you enter leagues to play the best teams you can and do the best you can. And if you're having to put out your under-23s, then that's not the case. So it needs to be revisited and it needs to be sorted. But yeah, it's the Fulham game. I, I'd be surprised if it happens, if I'm being brutally honest with you, because, you know, we could risk the next four or five fixtures by playing that game if they've not cleared up. So, you know, that, that, that's a worry as well. Who knows? But, you know, or we might get a bye. That'd be nice. Um, we're going to move on to ours end. I, I've got three things. So I'm going to go last on the basis that one or two or even three of them will be said by someone else. So interesting. I'm going to go with Flo first for your ours end. Yeah, so I kind of touched on mine, but I just do appreciate the strong stance that Warburton and the club have had, whether he means it or not, or he's using it as distraction. I'm a cynic. I don't know. But I appreciate the fact that he's been consistent in his messaging and saying, you know, this pandemic is out of control and we have to be really strict about that. And it's working. I also appreciate that 
I'm sure lots of our team have probably broken the rules during Christmas and New Year's, but they didn't post it on social media. And I respect that for them not throwing it in my face because the antics of Spurs, Lanzini, um, Milivojevic and Mitrovic um, royally pissed me off. So I appreciate them doing it behind closed doors because I'm sure lots of them did. But um, thanks for saving me the uh, anger. Hmm? Um, Paul S. So um, I I might be a bit light-hearted actually during a tough time and back to Vinny's point when reality is uh, pretty tough and depressing, whether it's QPR or COVID-related. Um, so my, my philosophy is create your own reality. Uh, so to, to bring a smile to a few people and you three, hopefully, uh, me and my boys uh, living our QPR dreams through FIFA 21 at the moment. Um, so it's 2023 in our career. We've got Dykes and Erling Haaland up front. Sancho, wow. Sancho and Ose Samuel. Oh, my uh, God. Donna Ruma in goal. And this, this one's for you, Finney. We just, this weekend was a big weekend. We got Eze back from Palace. <laughs> oh, you basically solved all the problems. You've got a really <laughs> solid goalie. You're getting Dykes the service he needs from Jaden Sancho. And you're playing two up front. And I imagine him and Haaland are a good pairing. So never mind Tim Sherwood and never mind <laughs> Joey Barton. I think... I think you and the boy need to get down to Harlington quick and have a job interview. <laughs> and and yeah. get some budget as well, I think. There needs to be yeah. a bit of money as well. Minor detail. <laughs> um, <laughs> we were so good the last time we had money, weren't we? <laughs> Paul. Hello. Um, well, I was trying to get on my computer to see all the messages I've been sent to say things. Well, not say things, but to, to, to remind me of things. I, I, I forgot my password, so hey-ho. Um, first of all, um, Wee George Sharp is turning a teenager in the next couple of weeks. He's going to be 13. Can you believe that? George Sharp is going to be 13. That's just, that's like mad. But anyway, so happy birthday whenever your birthday is, George. And I appreciate that. Uh a shout out to Andrew Alexandra, who's had a particularly hard couple of weeks and um, thoughts with you, Andrew, and the family. Really sound bloke. And um, he's having a horrible time, as I say. So just say we haven't forgotten about your pal. Your friends at the podcast are here for you. And the other thing is, I'm going to ask you three. Am I the only person that when all said and done, I seem to think, right, the January transfer window is here. We're looking at a window again. Who do we need? Fullbacks, centre midfielders, or strikers, or wingers, or what? Because I think we start with replacing half that defence. So we should open that up to everyone and the listeners on Twitter to how we improve where we go. Because I'm thinking start with the fullbacks, Barbe, Cameron, and go through the midfield and everything else and try and. Not, not, not in this window. How do you think so, David? That's interesting. You don't, I mean, Where's the need? The need is stop leaking goals, uh, create more chances and more goals, which would, I mean, it sounds so simplistic, doesn't it? It would sound like a bit of everything rather than go big on just the defence and nothing else. Well, no, I, personally, I would change the defence and midfield and possibly bring in a couple of strikers. You're not going to do that in one window. You're not going to do that in one window, are you? Particularly the January window. If you, you're realistically going to be able to get between one and three players in. 
but you can't change the whole defence. Well, then the other thing is, then we think we got. I'd like to see Kelman get a go against Fulham. Um, I don't think it could hurt to play two up front, and yeah, and just pray to God that we, if we do play Fulham and we win an FA Cup match, we can get a run going and it breeds the confidence we need. What I don't want to see is us fielding a weakened team because if our first team is that bad, then a weakened team could be bloody awful. So don't weaken what is already a weak side. Try and build up, get the confidence in, go for it, and um, try and beat Fulham. And get some local pride back as well. Um, no one said any of the three other things I've got on my list, which so oh. they're not they're not really ours ends. I didn't want the podcast to go by without us mentioning the disgusting abuse that Bright I'll say Samuel got after the Norwich miss. At the same time, it looks like this guy was not a QPR fan, which doesn't make it okay, but I suppose means that I don't think there's anybody in the QPR community that's not disgusted by it. And I think the club have come out in full support of him and they're investigating it. I hope there actually is some action on it. Um, And obviously we're all united in thinking that is disgusting. Um, RIP to Tommy Doherty, former manager, was my second point who managed this on three occasions, and it looked like either just before or just after kind of big periods. So he managed just, just after the 67 win and just before Venables and the promotion in, in the 80s. But that, that stint was split. Was He was fired and then came back straight after. But he, also, um, he also laid the foundation, David, for the, um, for the Venables team, really. Um, right. And, and, and he, you know, he, he was... He was a hell of a character. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I love his quote, which is, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have looked after myself better. Um, and he's, he's, you know, he's a character. It's what football needs is characters. And um, may he rest in peace. I'd loved, love to have sat in a meeting with him and Jim Gregory. I would have loved mm. to have been there because I bet you they were explosive and wonderful. And um, so QPR. But, you know, it's just, this, this year we've just lost so many people, haven't we? Fans. People like Tommy Doherty, everything it's just horrible. It's just, just, just depressing. But hopefully, the lads can put on a, a win from. As for the bright Samuel thing, I mean, I don't think there's anyone in this world who wasn't disgusted. And I just wish these people would fick off. You know, they sit behind their keyboards and they say the most vile things, but they wouldn't say to people's faces and stuff like that. There, and, and it's just, it's just horrible. And um, apparently, it was because he was losing his bet, David. If you can believe that, I don't know. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's kind of what's come out. And it's just the way the world is, sadly, with these people. But uh, hopefully be investigated and these people will be taken off because it's just wrong. I mean, I don't, I can't even think what goes in people's heads. There's too much of it, let's be honest. So, yeah, but hopefully it will, the, the positivity of anything valid like that is that it gets a squad as one. And um, it's interesting, Jeff Cameron came out and made his statement um, and backed the player, which is what we want. Um. My final point was I got sent the podcast this week. If, if everybody likes a bit of extra QPR content, Sporth have made, they've got a series called Football Uncovered, um, which is basically about the business side of football. It's with Nick Harris from the Mail. And this is, it's quite a good synopsis of our years under Briatori and Eccleston and sort of segueing into the Fernandez era. If you, if you, I'll be honest, if you, I listen to it, if you really know the ins and outs of your QPR 
you don't need to listen to it because you won't learn anything. However, if you're a bit younger, um, if you weren't necessarily following the team sort of at the start of, of the century and under all that, and you want to hear it all again, um, it's well worth a listen to because it sort of wraps it up. It sort of summarises the madness that has gone on, that sort of went on for 10 years or more from about 2003. And can so we just... I would recommend that. Sorry, Jeff, could you just mention as well in Daily Mail today, and it's not often you'll hear me plug the Daily Mail, I can tell you, but they've got a really good interview with um, <coughs> Don Shanks talking about Stan Bulls and what's going on with Stan and what he's doing and stuff, and that's well worth the read as well. So, you know, we're certainly getting we're certainly getting the name out there. I mean, what Don's doing for um, Stan is amazing, and uh, Stan celebrated his birthday during the last few weeks as well. So happy birthday to Stan and his family, and um, hopefully they're... Um, getting some help and hopefully the people are rallying and football around them. Sorry, carry on. That's all right. It seems That's a pretty good place to finish. That's why I was trying to, to get finish. on the computer to read these things and flip and forget. Seems like a pretty good place to finish for me. Uh, unless anyone else has got anything else. What's the point well, in us doing Fulham predictions? We haven't played for two weeks. They haven't played for two weeks and we think the game will happen, but who knows? It's only Wednesday there's a hell of a lot of, of um, road to cover between Wednesday and Saturday. So, fingers crossed it's on. We've got something to watch and we can watch a victory. Well, hopefully we, hopefully we can homeschool Fulham on, on Saturday and win. Very good. Yep, that Thank was you. Carry on. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Flo. Thanks all for listening to this episode of Open All Isles. We'll be back next week. Yeah.